0: Welcome to OECD Podcast, where policy
1: meets people. Thanks to data collected by the OECD and other organizations, it's become very clear that climate change is not gender neutral. Many will be surprised to learn this, but the negative impacts of global warming, rising sea levels, extreme heat, food and water scarcity, biodiversity loss and economic loss especially affect women. These impacts intensify already existing inequalities. They reduce women's ability to be economically independent and increase the likelihood that women and girls will suffer from violence. The data also shows that women and girls are more aware of environmental issues, more likely to be environmentally motivated and that they are key actors in accelerating action and bringing about real change, whether they're in the global north or the global south, and whether they're unpaid care workers, farmers, scientists, or green technology entrepreneurs. I'm Christopher Mooney and I'm talking today to the OECD's Ingrid Barnsley about why women are especially vulnerable to climate change. We will also discuss the role they can and should be playing in finding and implementing solutions. Ingrid Barnsley is the Deputy Director of the Environment Directorate at the OECD. She also works in coordination with other OECD directorates on IPAC, the International Program for Action on Climate, which supports country progress towards the goal of net zero greenhouse gas emissions and a more resilient economy by mid-century. Hello Ingrid, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hi Chris, thanks for having me.
1: So your team's research at the OECD shows that when gender and environmental degradation intersect, risks and inequalities worsen. Why does it affect women and, and, and men differently?
0: On the one hand, we have the differentiated effect of environmental degradation and climate change on women and men. While often overlooked, these environmental impacts tend to affect men and women differently because often women are starting with predetermined economic vulnerabilities. So if they already have less access to resources, uh, if there is already underlying discrimination, Uh, they already have predetermined vulnerabilities. Um, Environmental degradation is going to exacerbate those. On the other hand, we have a very positive, interesting interleakage, Chris, which is that women's preferences and behaviours, interestingly, in relation to um, the environment appear to be different from those of men. Um, It seems that women's preferences and behaviours often can be positive in terms of their potential for the green transition as decision makers, as influencers, and also as economic agents. Women spend money. It's not only men that spend money and women spend a lot of money in the household. They are strong economic agents of factors that can have an impact on our environment. And what we're seeing through a range of empirical studies is that women tend to make more sustainable choices in their daily life than than men, for instance, around energy use or their mobility patterns, more likely to walk than drive, more likely to use public transport than than, than drive. Um, And they seem to be more concerned about climate change and environmental protection. Whether that's connected to a, a, a natural uh, component of, of care for children or care for, 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 for the, the future life of their children is, is, is unclear and needs to be further explored.
1: What have we learned about the relationship between these environmental issues and domestic violence and exposure to violence in general? Can you give us some examples of what the data has shown here?
0: Yeah. Thanks for the question, it's it's not an easy one to tackle, but I think it's it's quite important that we do. We know it exists, gender-based violence, whether at home or and or in the public sphere. Um, and we're aware that gender-based violence can hinder the economic opportunities um, of, of women and girls and, in fact, often increase their dependency on men. Well, what we see is that if you overlay that with an environmental degradation, it's an added difficulty for women. You can also see, particularly in developing countries, that women and children are often the most affected by the erosion of, say, ecosystems or climate change um, because of their greater dependence on traditional household uh, lifestyles, community living, small-scale farming, the need to move to collect water or to collect fuel, such as firewood. For example, a UNICEF study from 2016 for, uh, in India found a correlation between uh, rise in abuses against women and children uh, and drought. So in drought times, we saw, we saw an increase in abuses of women and children, including child labor and trafficking, and women forced into prostitution or feminicide.
1: Is this particularly exacerbated during times of crisis, um, natural disasters, or for example, what we've just been going through with the pandemic?
0: Precisely, if you overlay uh, another stress, in particular, another economic stress, um, onto a community, you're you're likely to see uh, an uptick in these kinds of gender-related bi- violence, particularly, as I said, because uh, in, in some communities, women are already more economically vulnerable. So if you impose on them uh, environmental degradation, but then combined with uh, a further um, weakening of the economy in a context such as uh, the weakening economy we've seen during the, global, the during the pandemic, um, or an extreme weather event, um, enhanced uh, soil land-based or air pollution in turn affecting the viability of crops, then you're likely to see uh, in in turn uh, an increase in in violence in, uh, toward women.
1: In a number of documents, and I'll put some links to these at the end, the OECD stresses this need for better gendered data that there's a data gap. Why do we need better gender-specific environmental data?
0: We're increasingly a data-driven society. So we accept that uh, data increasingly drives the way in which advertising is directed toward us or the way in which uh, companies structure the way we might buy products or services. Well, the same applies to policymaking. If we don't have good data, we can't make better policies. Um, and so what we see, we're seeing the emergences of studies that show the link between gender equality and environmental goals, but, but we don't have enough data.
1: Is this improving? Uh, are we bridging this gap? Are we getting better data?
0: Well, um, a recent survey uh, at the OECD of how our member countries are seeking to tackle the integration of gender into environmental policies suggests that 21 of the OECD's 38 member countries say that they consider at least sometimes gender aspects in their environmental policymaking. At the same time, while 21 countries said they sometimes do it, only 11 do it systematically across all of their environment-related Uh, data indicators. So what we would want to see, of course, is an integrated approach where uh, we're consistently across our gender measurement indicators or gender data framework, uh, sorry, environment indicators or environment data framework, considering disaggregated data by sex.
1: Just to be clear... By disaggregated um, data, we mean data that has been uh, divided up into different components or or, uh, that is specific towards issues like gender.
0: Yes. Let's take a few concrete examples of environmental indicators. We now have, in most OECD countries and and, and many emerging and developing economies, uh, data that looks at mortality rates from air pollution. Um, We also have, for example, data on the positive side in relation to environmental protection, data that looks at the development of green technology based on patents. We have growing data around exposure uh, to environmental risks uh, by regional areas of the population within a country who are most likely to be exposed, what regions to say pollutants. However, if you take those three examples, many of our countries are not yet dividing that data by gender. So, for example, air pollution, you mentioned it earlier. Is air pollution and mortality rates from air pollution affecting women more than men? We need to know, because if it is, we need to develop policy interventions that might address that.
1: So in in terms of policymaking... um... Women have always been underrepresented there. Is, is progress being made here? Are women's voices being heard more? Do they have more places at the table?
0: What the early studies are showing is that, interestingly, women's participation in decision making seems to lead to better environmental outcomes and, and, and stronger environmental policies. Also, interestingly, with an increased focus on sustainable investment. We have a new piece of OECD analysis, I'm pleased to say, that's going to be coming out soon uh, that finds that the gender gap in environmental decision-making varies quite right, widely across countries and sectors. We see, for example, uh, that, that certain uh, environmentally sensitive businesses, businesses that may be more exposed Uh, to the quality of the environment, such as the agricultural sector, Um, actually surprisingly have lower representation of women at the table. We also see uh, bigger gaps between the access of men and women to the leadership table in lower-income countries. Now, this is worrying because a lot of lower-income countries are the most exposed to climate change, to biodiversity loss, for example, and we also know that those are the countries where women most depend On the natural environment for their living. Uh, On the other hand, um, on the upside, Chris, women's representation at the leadership level is pretty strong in international civil society organizations, um, institutions, I should say, and in international negotiations.
1: You mentioned patents earlier, and I did see something from the OECD saying that there were now four times more patents where at least one woman inventor was involved compared to statistics from the 1980s, and five times more in the case of information and communication technologies. You also mentioned green technology. Is, what, is that changing as well in that field?
0: Right, so yes, indeed. The, the share of women inventors, as we would call them, um, is, is really growing, has been growing remarkably in many, techn- not all, uh, but many technology domains. and. Um, Patent applications is one, and you're, you're absolutely right. We now have four times more patents with at least one woman inventor. I love that word. It reminds me of when we were kids, and you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? You wanted to be an inventor. But we now have four times more patents where so there's at least one woman inventor, as we did in in the 1980s, um, and five times, as you say, in the case in this in a specific sector of information and communication technologies. Uh, it would be it would be marvelous to explore that better and understand why why why. Why have certain sectors done better than others? Nonetheless, what we do know is that overall the percentage of women inventors still remains uh, relatively low. If you look across countries and across all technology domains, um, women are still around only 15% of inventors uh, listed on patents. In relation to environment-related technologies, we're also – typically below the average for, for female participation. Um, and then if you go into some traditionally male professional sectors, such as power generation or general engineering technologies, you see even lower rates. They're more down around um, around the 10 to 8% mark.
1: I mentioned at the start that you are working on IPAC. I'm wondering if you can tell us something about IPAC as well as the OECD's Gender Initiative.
0: As you mentioned earlier on, IPAC stands for the International uh, Programme for Action on Climate. It was launched by the OECD's Council of Ministers last year. Uh, IPAC recognises that, uh, pleasingly, an increasing number of countries have now set quite significant ambitions uh, toward net zero emissions for 2050. And our international system also recognises that countries have different starting points, different national circumstances, which mean that they will develop their own set of policies that suit them in terms of how they're going to achieve uh, their, their national climate change targets. So that richness, that diversity of policy mix is a, is a good thing. At the same time, that diversity means that it's difficult for under us to understand comparative effort. So again, if we talk about one of the key strengths of the OECD, one of the key strengths of the OECD is trying to improve our understanding or our evidence based for our policies. So IPAC is designed to develop indicators that can be commonly applied across countries for us to understand uh, what our policies are, what are the impacts they're having on emissions, and what are the wider societal impacts they're having for example, in relation to patents, are we seeing more? Um, are we seeing more patents in in um, environmental technologies? What are the impacts on our skills needs of our climate policies? So, IPAC really seeks to develop a a common approach to understanding policies, different the richness of climate policies in different countries, and their impact on our economies and our societies. You mentioned also another one. I think
1: the OECD uh, gender initiative.
0: So the OECD gender initiative started in 2010 and it's very much connected to sustainable un sustainable development goal number five, which is specifically on gender equality and the wider UN agenda 2030. It's a range of policy areas such as education, uh, entrepreneurship, governance, the development sector, employment. Um, and what it seeks to do is monitor the progress being made by governments to promote gender equality, Across these different sectors. Quite importantly, it's tracking um, progress in both OECD and non-OECD countries. The issue of gender equality, and we, we touched on this earlier, Chris, does not affect uh, OECD economies or advanced economies only. This is a this is a problem we see across the world. Uh, and it seeks to look at their progress um, and it's using a series of indicators to try to shed light on gender inequalities within different sectors. What are the inequalities we can see in education, for example, versus employment, versus entrepreneurship or health? Um, and, and that in turn allows us to see where is action most needed for a country. So um, it's done through a dedicated website. It's quite a fun website, visually, uh, and I encourage listeners to take a look should they wish
1: these development goals that we have, these sustainable development goals uh, for 2030, for example, or for the mid-century, are we on track? Or are we moving in the right direction? Are people finally coming and, and treating this seriously?
0: It's a difficult question. I think um, I would give a nuanced answer. It, it, it's very easy to stand back and criticize. It's very easy to say, you know, we're failing dismally. Are we better off for having those sustainable development goals than not having had them? I think, yes, we absolutely are. Have we achieved them in full yet, and are we going to? No, I think the answer is that we will fall short. But having having a framework and a common and shared sense of purpose around how we can achieve our, our sustainability goals for our planet along with our economic and social development goals for us as humans, as humanity, having a common framework, a shared framework across all countries to measure and track that is in itself a very important success. And when it comes to gender, embedding gender equality as a consideration within the environment-related sustainable development goals needs to be improved. We have gender considered in a number of them, in relation to, for example, water, sustainable production, the climate, energy, cities, um, sustainable development goals, do indicators under the SDGs do already have gender disaggregation, but in other instances, the 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 environmental SDGs and their indicators have not yet properly and fully considered sex disaggregation to the extent we'd like them to and and chris we were just talking about human behaviors and and the potentially the differences between women and men in terms of how they understand environmental and climate science and how they respond well in answer to this question if we want to better achieve our sustainable development goals it would help us to break down that data uh, between men and women as well so that in turn we can tap into what works for women may not always work for men for example and and hopefully lead toward better better progress, I would say, toward our SDGs.
1: Well, thank you very much, Ingrid.
0: Thanks to you, Chris. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to share with you and the listeners.
1: And thank you all for listening to OECD Podcast. For more information about the OECD Environment Directorate and its work on gender and the environment, go to www.oecd.org env.
0: To listen to other OECD podcasts, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and soundcloud.com slash OECD.